0: hello and welcome to gay for horror the show where not all the movies are gay but I sure am how are you doing <laughs> so I have um I have a plan for today that I'm excited about because it's not it's different <laughs> it's actually uh a lot like an episode that I did which is actually the most downloaded episode so maybe people like it I don't know um of uh of this podcast uh which is. Uh, I did an episode on New Year's Eve where I just talked about my top 10 favorite horror movies of 2019. Uh, I'm not going to do a list of favorites yet. Um, I thought about doing a mid-year list, but then I just thought that was obnoxious, so I didn't do it. But uh, what I am going to try to do from here on, um, once a month, is just do a What I Watched episode... Where I just kind of share with people what I watched during the month. Uh, at this this point in history, mostly um, on digital and streaming, uh, and just pass on the recommendations of things that I liked. I uh, think I'll touch on uh, things that I like and 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 things that I have generally positive feelings about uh, or totally positive feelings about. Uh, I think I'm gonna pass on. The movies that I just don't like, and uh, rather than like uh, spend time on something that I just watched and hated, or just watched and was completely dissatisfied by, I think I'm just going to focus on what I think uh, what I think is maybe worth checking out, and I'll try to explain with each one the kind of experience that it offers, and you know who I think might like it, or what I think might differentiate someone who might like it versus not like it. That's kind of the goal in. Me giving recommendations to people is not to tell people what I think that they should watch, but to tell people what I what I liked and also maybe to do a little bit of like work to try and explain to people what the movie is in a way that is more honest and effective than the advertising. Uh, that's available to you so maybe i can sell some people on movies that they didn't think they wanted to see or maybe i can like at least clarify for people (laughs) if something is like a big no for them Uh, you know hopefully i can give some some clear information on that um i want to say quickly before i do that though i do want to say uh i had a really lovely uh response to the carmilla review episode carmilla by the way is a movie that I gave a full hour-long review to in the prior episode. Um, So if you would like to hear a whole hour of me talking about Carmilla, which is a very kind of lush period, gothic romance with with a sort of horror atmosphere, uh, please go listen to that episode. Uh, If you would like to see Carmilla, you can actually still see it on the virtual cinema at Film Movement. Uh, And I would especially recommend... If you would consider finding the virtual cinema through the Cinema Detroit homepage, Uh, Cinema Detroit is the local Michigan theater where I see movies uh, when I can see movies, uh, when movie theaters are open. And uh, they are currently closed and they are uh, relying on donations and virtual cinema. So uh, if you'd like to support a nonprofit local theater, you can go to the Cinema, Cinema Detroit homepage and actually link... Through their page to watch and rent Carmilla, and they'll get a portion of the sale uh, to support their theater. Um, I also want to say Cinema Detroit uh, was really generous in inviting me to be a part of a discussion of Carmilla with director Emily Harris and cinematographer Michael Woods. So if you would like to watch a longer in depth, discussion of the movie with the director and the cinematographer Uh, you can find that discussion on youtube if you just type in cinema detroit and carmilla it'll come up uh, and you can watch that uh, on youtube and get information straight from the people who made the movie, which is very satisfying for me because I say a lot of things about movies and occasionally, occasionally, uh, the people who made them kind of verify some of those things for me or at the very least are receptive and interested in those things. And I appreciate that very much. I've I've heard back from almost... Someone from almost every movie I've reviewed, and it's always been lovely, and no one has ever sent me an angry email saying, you don't understand my movie, <laughs> which I'm, I'm totally waiting for uh, my hate mail. So, if you'd like to see that conversation, it's on YouTube. If you'd like to see Carmilla, you could go to cinemadetroit.org and rent it through there, uh, uh, and it'll support Cinema Detroit. Um, and, okay, so also just another quick housekeeping uh, bit of business is... Um, I realized earlier this week that one of the episodes of the podcast had been deleted, it's actually the one I just mentioned the one, that's actually why I noticed because I was, (laughs) I went to go look at it uh, just as like a reference for what I'm doing today and uh, it wasn't available on Spotify or iTunes or anywhere, so apparently one of the episodes got mysteriously deleted and I don't know why I I was told by customer service that I did it, (laughs) Which I can't say that they're wrong because I don't really understand the internet, but like I really I certainly didn't do it on purpose. Uh, But yeah, the whole episode was just deleted and I didn't have a copy of it because it was uh, recorded on a computer that I I no longer own that crashed uh, shortly after I recorded it on New Year's Eve. And I did not have a copy of it. And thankfully, uh, I'm not going to hate on the people at customer service because maybe I did delete it. And thankfully, they managed to retrieve it from the ether. So the audio is back. So if you're someone who recently joined the podcast or subscribed to the podcast, uh, there may be an episode that you didn't get in your... <laughs> there's like a, there's a surprise bonus episode <laughs> that I recorded on New Year's Eve and it's my favorite horror movies of 2019 and it's just a list of 10, 10 movies I really loved and uh and three honorable mentions. So if you would like to listen to that, you can go back and listen to that. That's a great episode for if you just want um some recommendations for streaming right now, which I know a lot of people are looking for. Uh, There's 13 movies in that episode that I go through in a pretty quick format, and I think they're all really great. And the reviews in that episode are non-spoiler reviews, and the reviews in this this episode will also be non-spoiler reviews. So um, what I'm going to say, though, is I am going to include whatever is in the trailer as non-spoiler. And i I you know well you maybe don't know if you know you know some people know that uh, i I'm anti trailer in spirit and I don't watch trailers at all. in fact, I don't even want to see a still image from the movie more or less. Uh, I don't want to know anything, and so I don't watch trailers, but I have purposely watched the trailers for some of these movies so that I know for my own information what is given away in the trailer. Uh, and I think it's pretty fair game to say if it's in the trailer, it's considered common knowledge. Uh, I know most people do watch trailers. I know that I don't. Uh, however, what I will say is if you uh, if you don't want to know anything about any of the movies I'm discussing today, um, then then d- don't listen. Uh, but what I will say is I'm not gonna give away any secrets or like plot twists. Uh, I might talk a little bit about... You know the setup to the movie i i will i might talk about the experience of the movie like what the tone is or you know uh how the tone might change there might be little things that give away something about what it's like to watch the movie as an experience uh so those are the kinds of things that you would hear in this episode that if you don't want to hear those things then like that's fine you can come back later um <laughs> uh i understand i am one of you i don't i I was do so, you know that you know there's a there's a promotional image from Hereditary uh, where where I won't even say who but one actor is on fire and it was used in all of the reviews for the movie they put this press image they widely circulated this image and if you watch the movie it's a twist it is a it is a twist moment where. Someone you think is going to be in trouble isn't. And then the other person is set on fire. And when I saw the movie, I knew what the twist was because of one still image from an Entertainment Weekly review or some, some I don't remember where it was even published, but it's from a website review. Why would you do that? That's just so weird to me. Anyway, uh, I will give no plot spoilers, but I will talk about what the movie's like and some things like that. So that's just a heads up. Okay, uh, so I am fully going to, um, oh, my my soda got worn. (laughs) I'm fully going to crack open the soda that I brought with me that got worn between the time that I started talking and the time that I actually finished setting this up. And yeah, if there's any just punishment for me for talking too much... (laughs) it's ending up with a warm soda but uh, i'm going to pull up i'm going to pull up my Letterboxd account actually I'm gonna. i think i i had to consider doing this like in order of joy um <laughs> for like most joyful to least joyful but that, that just seems mean so i think i'm just going to do it chronologically uh go through the month of july just go movie to movie and this one we'll have more peaks and more valleys. And, and, you know, we'll have some movies I like a lot, some movies I like enough. Um, and and we'll get through it that way together. Uh, I am going to say that I'm not going to talk about Carmilla, even though obviously it would be on this list of movies that I loved in July. Uh, but I did a whole hour on it, so if you are curious about Carmilla, please go listen to that episode. Okay, um, the first Uh, The first movie I liked, horror movie that I liked in July, uh, is a movie called Nesting Dolls. Uh, And I should say, too, that these are going to be movies, a lot of them are new releases in July of 2020. Some of them are new to streaming, and I feel like I'm just going to kind of lump all that together. New releases, movies that are new on streaming, things that are, you know, freshly available to you uh, as as an audience member. I'm going to try to keep it relatively contemporary, though. Uh, and not do, like, throwback classics and things like that. So Nesting Dolls is a movie that I really knew nothing about, and it's available streaming in the U.S. on uh, Amazon Prime. It is, I would say, kind of... uh, I described it as being... uh, (laughs) This is, like, in my letterbox, my obnoxious letterbox review. I described it as uh, somewhere on a spectrum between... The House on Sorority Row and thoroughbreds, uh, which I think is fairly accurate. Uh, there's a bit of a kind of like, there's an accident, what are we going to do about it kind of energy. And then there's also a lot of uh, scary, jaded, possibly sociopathic, young women and uh if you don't know thoroughbreds that was that movie uh by the director whose name i forget who also directed bad education with hugh jackman it's not the not the amoldavar but the the recently released bad education oh i can't remember his name but that's okay um you all have the internet but listen i uh but uh it's just it's like it's like anna taylor joy from split and another actress whose name I forget, and they are very kind of like sinister young girls. And so, Nesting Dolls* is basically the premise, the setup. It's really, it's not a movie that is easy to explain because there's a lot of like twistedness and and, and surprises. But uh, basically, it's three sorority sister friends who are having this weekend away together, and one of in one of their grandparents' like beach houses. And there's some animosities and some hazing and some jealousy, and a very sort of strange set of accidents you know sets into place this unlikely cataclysmic uh, you know outcome where there is uh, I very vague <laughs> there's you know there's there is a there's a sort of like mind game situation and a lot of like tug of war back and forth kind of like who's in charge who's you know who's who's in power who's vulnerable kinds of sinister interactions so if you're interested in that kind of like psychological mind game thriller thing that's a bit of like a back and forth kind of like characters in tension with each other um, with a sort of like twinge of violence. Uh, that's one thing I would throw in for sure is the the degree and level of violence um, exceeded my expectation in terms of like how sinister things get. Uh, so it is it does get kind of brutal. So think about that and uh, I think it's interesting it's it's definitely one of the ones that I have mixed feelings about. Uh, but it's one that I was happy with and kind of interested in. I think the cinematography is especially beautiful in this movie. Um, the there's just like a lot of moments that are that are very beautiful, and I know that they know that they're beautiful because they stay on screen for so long. Uh, there's just like one shot of a girl tied up in a chair, say for example, uh, and it's the chair is like tipped onto the floor and just the angle of this chair against the the floor and the way the composition is set it's just so weirdly beautiful for something so bleak in, in terms of like plot but in terms of what you're looking at uh it is stunningly beautiful and i and again they hold on it so long that i know that they know that it's beautiful (laughs) Uh, and I think there's a lot of there are some kind of showy beautiful moments in terms of cinematography there are some really interesting choices in terms of camera movements and so I think if you want a kind of like beautiful sinister mean girl thriller movie uh, nesting dolls (laughs) and you you don't mind violence and you're not easily scared away by some like light torture this is <laughs> this is for you. Um, I think it's good. I do think the pace is, is slightly strange in the middle, and I do wish that the characters were actually better developed, which I know is a vague thing to say, but like there's a lot of back and forth in terms of power dynamics, but there's not a lot of tremendous deepening of the particularities of their connections to each other. And I just thought, like, if you're gonna, because the other thing about this movie, and, and I just, I did say this in my little letterbox review, is um, you know, it's like a really great example of what you can do with like three actors in one set because it's just, it's basically just these three young actresses and it all takes place in one house. So it's really minimalistic. I love that. But I do think that uh, because it's minimalistic, I feel like there's more pressure on the script to really kind of like make every moment exciting even though it's you know it's a limited scope in terms of the change of setting and we're kind of in you know we're just going room to room and not you know and not place to place so uh I think it is it's interesting I liked it I appreciated the craft of it um and I, and I think and I think especially if you like this if this kind of movie sounds interesting to you I think you will like it. Uh, I don't know if it's something that will win over someone who is not innately kind of gravitating toward the premise, just because it's kind of it kind of announces itself as something, and then it, it delivers that thing, and it, it, I don't think it does a whole lot to, to go above and beyond that thing, let's say that. Uh, but it's enjoyable, and if you're looking for something on like streaming, it's on Amazon uh, Prime right now, in the U.S. at least. Next, I have The Beach House. Uh, the Beach House is a Shutter original. Well, I mean, you know, it's exclusive to Shutter. Shutter originals. I understand what they mean by that, but I don't think that they actually produce any of the movies that they identify as originals. Uh, so, really, Shutter original just means Shutter acquisition. Um, maybe I'm wrong about that, but it mostly means that these are films that were that they bought from festivals or they acquired that were international releases that didn't have an american distributor which is fine i really appreciate i love the shutter original series i love that i get uh, with my shutter subscription i get like at least two or three movies that are exclusive to shutter every month usually uh and i think that they do have a great sense of taste about identifying horror movies that i think especially horror fans will love one of my Top ten favorite horror movies of 2019 was uh, Isla Lopez is uh, Tigers Are Not Afraid, which in the U.S. was a Shudder original uh, because it had been released internationally, but it it couldn't acquire it wasn't acquired by any U.S. film company to distribute, and Shudder became the U.S. distributor for Tigers Are Not Afraid. Uh, so there's been a lot of really, really, really great Shudder original films, and uh, and I think The Beach House is one of them. I really do. I really think that this is one that for me is really exciting and special. Uh, I suspect it might end up being a favorite of mine by the end of the year. Uh, I think it is, it it reminds me of the kind of very kind of claustrophobic energy of Night of the Living Dead, the original Romero Night of the Living Dead, in that it's, uh, so this is a, okay, so this, um, this is basically a, Oh, it's another beach house, isn't it? Oh, there's actually a couple. There's a couple of cabins. Okay, there's a couple of beach houses and cabins. I guess it's a summer thing. Uh, I'm thinking ahead to other movies, but um, uh, it's a it's a beach it's a beach house that's the title. Good good job. Um, and uh, this young couple sneaks off to this beach house that that one of their fathers owns, and they think no one will be there, and there is a couple there. Who are family friends that they didn't expect to be there and then they hang out with this couple this older couple for a little bit and then things get weird and again I really can't say more than that uh, but I will say it doesn't go in like an accident torture direction it goes in like uh, otherworldly terrifying you know creatures from uh, from uh, the basement sort of way <laughs> Uh, and it goes really paranoid like, like it mean it gets very like sixties paranoid thriller uh and very claustrophobic and fairly simple. That's why kind of Night Living Dead comes to mind is it's it's much like uh you know, Nesting Dolls. It's super uh it's really simple. There's people there's characters and they encounter a scary conflict. But I think that though just the just again, music and cinematography here uh, are so essential. Um, I will say that the structure of the movie is such that, like, it's kind of just, like, very even keel for nearly half the runtime. Uh, and then it really, like, takes off running in the middle. So uh, if you're watching this and you feel like it's not happening for you, you, you really owe it to yourself, I think, to watch it through. It's, it's I think, like, 80 minutes. It's very watchable uh but i think you you have to get to the second half uh and if what you covet is like a really well made like 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 energized like really um really uh momentum driven scary movie where like it's just like running uh that will come it's just not gonna come for about forty <laughs> about forty minutes. And I and I think it's worth saying because I do think it might discourage a lot of people who are just t- like tuning in casually to be like, I don't wh- what is like where is this, you know, what is why am I here? Uh it will it will have it will happen. And once it goes, it goes really fast. And you know, it is sort of like an eco thriller. It's like a super sparse, uh scary version of like, I don't know what, you know, what happens when the world uh, attacks the people on it, Um, and it is, uh, you know, if you want, if you want in this particular historical moment, for some reason, to watch some, like, eco-apocalypse thriller uh, because you want an, an anxiety attack uh, this is fully it <laughs> I have to admit that this one really like ruined my calm and upset me in a visceral way uh, mostly because I do feel like kind of the world is attacking us <laughs> right now and I did and I, I did sort of have a weird kind of uh oh I feel like this is uh the sense of doom and dread it's very palpable so it is suspenseful, it is creepy, it is sort of creaturey, but it also is like a super doom, dread, apocalypse, eco-thriller. That's my pitch. It's really good. I, this is one of the ones that like, uh, like I would put like a, like a circle around. It's like, this is one that I think you should try, maybe try. And this is, again, this is on, right now it's on Shudder in the U.S. I don't know where it is, everywhere in the world, but in the U.S. it's on Shudder. And I expect it will be um, available in other ways soon enough. Next, okay. Well, I didn't. I really didn't plan this because I I didn't. I didn't prep this at all. But the the next movie is also a Shutter original, and it's about a cabin. (laughs) 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 It's a cabin by the lake, though. It's it's not a beach. Which, by the way, um, I have to say that I saw the Evil Dead musical off Broadway in New York when it first opened. However long ago that was. I think it started in canada and then it moved to off broadway and uh and uh it the the thing that i can like can never un uh unhear, uh there's a, there's a song in the evil dead musical which is very fun by the way if it's ever like on a tour well no one's touring whatever In <laughs> the hypo hypothetical non-apocalyptic future where there's uh Laughter. Um, if you if there's ever, if there's ever a, a tour of the Evil Dead in your area, it's really fun. Uh, but there is a song. The opening song is literally called Cabin in the Woods. And so, basically, every time I see a movie where there's a group of friends going to a, a, a cabin in the woods, and I, and I'm not in a public exhibition space, I um, in my head or or aloud because I have impulse control issues. Um, I literally like in my seat. I'm singing uh, the cabin in the woods song. So, so I mean, I suggest you try it sometime. It's like a really, it's really, really cheerful. Like the joke is that they're all gonna die, but they're just like a bunch of like happy go lucky teenagers who don't know it yet, and, and they're just like singing and dancing, um, and it's really funny. So. <laughs> Uh, and so in my head watching this movie which is called Lake of Death uh, (laughs) I kept I kept I kept just in my my mind thinking cabin in the woods Cabin in the woods, yeah. and <laughs> it helps. It really, really, uh, it, it 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 cheers up, <laughs> it cheers up, the Lake of Death. Um, no, so Lake of Death is a Norwegian movie, and it is also a Shutter original, which basically just means that Shutter is distributing it in the U.S. because it hasn't been distributed yet uh, by another by any film company. So. Uh, This one I really, this one I really, uh, I didn't think I liked it at first, and I still maybe have, I definitely have mixed feelings about it. Um, I want to credit, there's a review online for Lake of Death on a website called uh, Projected, wait, Projected Futures? Projected Figures. Sorry, it's called Projected Figures. Um, and uh, the review on that website is really good and thoughtful. And I want to mention it because I feel like I have unintentionally uh, become like a critic call-out podcast <laughs> where I talk about people that I feel like have give unfair reviews to things a lot. And I kind of like to sort of uh, sometimes... Uh, critique some of the ways that people dismiss movies. Um, So I wanted to take the moment to say, this is a review that helped me like a movie more. Uh, which is kind of what I think reviews are supposed to do, to be honest. But anyway, uh, this one on on projected figures, it it explained a little bit more about the history of the movie and helped me kind of appreciate something about it that I think was really missing to me. I think as a U.S. viewer, there's just cultural relevance that's missing. Uh, Apparently this book called Lake of Death was a a really classic Norwegian story it you know it, the book was published I think in like the early 20th century so it's like a hundred years old or close to it and uh, apparently it was also the the inspiration for I think the first Norwegian horror movie ever or one of the first Norwegian horror movies ever in like the 1940s so so it's the point is it has a place and and it maybe has a maybe something about the familiarity with the story into a Norwegian audience is a little bit lost in a U.S. audience. Um, one of the things that the Projective Figures review talked about that I really liked a lot was uh, there is a quality to the movie where it does have, like, a ironic playfulness, uh, where it's a little bit self-aware, and, like, all, all, a lot of the characters in the movie are making references to mostly U.S. horror movies, like Nightmare uh, on Elm Street and uh, Misery and I never I didn't quite like it just seemed like one too many layers of reference and uh it, it wasn't really like a winking like meta commentary scream horror movie it was kind of like a very old-fashioned like creepy cabin movie uh, but there was this weird like element of self-awareness and the Protected Figures Review kind of like makes the case that the movie is a kind of a movie about the fact that uh, this classic Norwegian story, Lake of Death, is like has influence across many subsequent uh, very popular US horror movies. And so the characters are kind of like really like seeding back into the original myth the ideas that were taken, you know, that that like, for example, like the Evil Dead and Cabin Fever and all these movies that are set in remote cabins in the woods, Friday the 13th, the original, or Cabins by a Lake, uh, that all of these movies are kind of like in the shadow of this Norwegian film or yeah, Norwegian film and, and book that I think probably most uh, U.S. audiences don't even know. Um, so there's a sort of like a bit of like a restorative history happening with the movie, which I think is interesting. It made me, it made me, it made me interested um, I also think that there are some really effective scare moments. I think a lot of it is very familiar, but again, I I do think, and I kind of buy the premise that the point of the movie is like that the familiarity is indicative of the kind of potency. And you know, it's like it's like making something that is a, uh, is classic intentionally. Uh, you, it kind of like perhaps engineered some of the premises that we now think of as like cliche, right? Like uh, older works are sometimes viewed as um, cliche, but in some senses you have to kind of acknowledge the ways in which the cliche is a sort of derivative of that work. So so I think that that kind of is in play here. Uh, and, and I think there are some really good scary moments uh, and I think I am interested in this story and the way it connects to other popular uh, very classic horror stories and horror movies. Uh, And there's one scene that I just think is great, and I don't want to spoil it, but there's like, there's a scene during breakfast, and it's not a jump scare, and it's not like a, it's not, it's not like, it's not a lot. Uh, In fact, it's, it's just like a, it's just, it's just, it's just an eerie feeling. Like, it's just a, a very still, simple scene that has a very eerie feeling. Uh, And if you watch it, you'll you'll know what that is. But uh, it's one of my favorite concepts for a a scary scene in a horror movie. Uh, It's very simple, but I really love, if you've noticed some of the other movies that I've reviewed that I liked a lot that some people didn't, I love like like an undersell. Like I, I like when the scary thing isn't pointed at, it's just sort of like in the room. Uh, and I will say that this movie does have some jump scares and some things that are a little bit kind of like more conventional. Uh, but this particular scene of breakfast is like, it's like it's like a scare that's attached to real like a realization more than it is attached to any particular scary thing in the room. So Lake of Death, it's a it's a it's a fairly conventional story. I mean, I I, I could explain it, but like, it's a but it's 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 a bunch of friends that go to a cabin in the woods. <laughs> And and there's and there's like a, a gothic history. There's like a creepy brother who you know who drowned in the lake. Kind of has a Jason Voorhees vibe of being the kid that drowned in the lake. You know uh, that might haunt the lake, so to speak. And um, there's just I don't know, there's just a lot of familiar things. And uh, uh, I think there, it's it's kind of the way that they're pieced back together and the, the connections are made back to this older story. I don't know that it's. A great movie, but I was interested in it. So I'm passing that on. <laughs> I'm passing my confusion on to you. Uh you know, it's if you have shutters, worth checking out. Um okay, the next one is one that I really, really loved, like really, really <laughs> loved. Uh and that is uh it's available on VOD for rental uh right now, and that's called Relic. Uh this is a home run of an emotional horror movie if you listen to the favorite 2019 horror movie episode um you know that i talked a lot about with the isa lopez movie tigers are Not afraid that i love emotional horror movies i think that uh i think that that's like perhaps the in my mind the most incredible uh and and really powerful use of horror is when horror is about confronting something you know in the physical that is abstract in the psychological or the emotional realm like meaning that you can't fight this like the the specter of your abusive parent but maybe you can fight the ghost of them <laughs> like you know if you if you sort of give the supernatural uh, you know, twinge to it, there's, there's like a manifestation of a feeling. And that is, an inc- it becomes this incredibly charged encounter with an emotion uh, that is something that I think horror can do that many other genres can't. Um, and in the case of Tigers are Not Afraid, it has to do with ghosts and this very emotional uh, connection that this young girl had to, um, you know, she in the climax of the movie, she encounters face-to-face a ghost that has a significance to her, and it is really not a scary scene as much as it is an incredibly emotional, cathartic scene. Uh, Relic has what I think Tigers Are Not Afraid had, uh, and and the same reasons why I love that so much, I love this one so much, because it is absolutely an emotional story. It's about three generations of women. Uh, It's a, a mother, a daughter, a grandmother. The mother is Emily Mortimer, uh, and and they go to this house where the grandmother lives uh, because she's gone missing. Uh, and basically, the grandmother appears to have some form of Alzheimer's, uh, and she is disappearing. She's not remembering things. She doesn't recognize the people in the her home. She doesn't recognize her daughter and her granddaughter. Or sometimes she you know forgets who they are or you know uh, uh, kind of turns on them in the moment. Things that are familiar. If you've ever had a family member um, battling with Alzheimer's but um, it kind of charges that very vivid human emotional experience with an element of supernatural Uh, and the director Natalie Erica James uh, it's an Australian movie and she's uh, Australian uh, but I believe um, I read an interview that she has a, a family with Uh, A Japanese lineage and so she's inspired by a lot of Japanese horror and a lot of the idea of like the curse or the grudge or the stain on the home and so in this case there's this you know sort of mirror window no not mirror there's this like mosaic that's the word window (laughs) glass window that is taken from this ancestral home uh, where this where where the grandfather died and it's kind of brought into the new home and it kind of like lives in the home and it becomes this kind of generational uh, curse of sorts. And it's, it's, it's the relic, right? And, uh, and so it has this incredible uh, surface, sort of, you know, scary plot, uh, but it is ultimately a very uh, allegorical film that is uh, a, really about, you know, the lineage of disease in the family. Uh, you know the passing of you know one thing down well, from one person down to the next and uh, this one too like the beach house I think the first I think it's it's a very emotional character story for you know a, a while and there are scary moments but I think the last like 20 or 30 minutes are s- s- some of the most intense between the, the ending of the beach house and the ending of Relic I might never sleep again I <laughs> I really uh it really, it's, and the ending of the, the ending of Relic uh, is there is a stretch of time that is like the most intense, surreal, like twisted experience uh, between all these characters, and it it feels like it feels like the ending to a horror movie, and then there are about. 10 more minutes, uh, and in those 10 minutes, I think this movie does an incredible thing, uh, which is I think it kind of undermines and challenges the entire idea of what a horror movie ending is, Uh, and I'm not going to explain what I mean by that, uh, because I don't want to ruin the movie. Uh, I thought about doing a full episode on this one, and... I just didn't. I could probably. I have. There's enough to say, but I. I this is one that I just really loved, and I don't necessarily want to pick it apart. Um, but I, the last ten minutes are unlike much I've ever seen, and much like Tigers and Are Not Afraid, I'm incredibly floored by a movie that is set in the horror genre that ultimately. The climax is not defeating a scary monster. The climax is a kind of cathartic acceptance of something that is horrifying. Uh, and I think the kind of emotionality of both of these movies make them very special. So, uh, I Relic I can't recommend enough. It's it's a scary movie. It's an upsetting movie. It, you sort of have, I would like prepare going into it that it, there's a lot of tragedy in it. Um, But this one also is one that I imagine, like I can't fathom not being uh, on a year-end favorites list down the line because I just think it's so, so special. So uh, probably of everything I'm going to say this episode, if you were only going to watch one of those, one of these movies, I would say, uh, to watch Relic. Okay, next I have (sighs) After Midnight. This one's not new, but it's new on Amazon Prime, and that's where I saw it. Um, I don't have a ton to say about this one. I will say that it is, uh, it's very not my usual, but but I really admire the creativity of it. Um, This one, like Relic, is sort of an emotional story, and it has a, you know, it's a kind of, it's a character, it's a relationship that becomes a kind of ex- extended by the idea of the supernatural. And that's the part that I really like about it. Um, so it's a, it's a character who is, we sort of see the different timelines of when he was happy with his girlfriend and when he is alone in his house by himself after they've broken up. And while he's alone by himself, he kind of believes that there's a monster in, in, the, in the woods uh, and he's trying to hunt it. And no one's quite sure if that is a real thing or if he's just like lost his sense of reality after this breakup. Uh, but ultimately it kind of doesn't matter because the the sort of like the the quality of the movie is the this monster is an is an extension of the pain that the breakup caused him. Uh and so it's really about this one man just kind of trying to deal with his heartache, uh by way you know that's embodied in this, the idea of this monster. Uh, and I think it's really good. It's it's uh, it's it's brief, it's charming, it's clever, it's scary in parts. There is uh, a Lisa Lobe karaoke scene. Bonus points for <laughs> bonus points for Lisa Loeb karaoke. Uh, uh, and I, I I really I enjoyed it. Um, and I appreciate the kind of like the sincerity of the approach, uh, and it's really good. I, I don't have it's, it's it's sort of like a short story, like it has like the scope of a short story. In that, it's like it's kind of very clear what it's doing, and it's and it and it delivers on that. And it is a sort of very small story. Uh, and it's a very small film, and I, I think it it achieves ex- pretty much. I think it probably achieves exactly what it wanted to, which is I think you know as nice a compliment as one can give. Uh, so yeah, after midnight, if you haven't seen, I really recommend. Uh, next is a very strange movie that I also found on Amazon Prime, called Mom: Mothers of Monsters. This one uh, is super mixed for me. <laughs> this one is this one was was uh, interesting. I mean, I ended up, I ended up feeling like I kind of recommend it because I really appreciate what it's trying to do. Uh, I do think that this is one that where the some of the like. Some of the strains of production and budget seems to be apparent uh and there's some like you know there's some like awkwardness in the in the script and the editing and, and especially some of like the dubbed um voices that are supposed to be like newscaster voices just sort of sound well dubbed and awkward um but those are kind of superficial i mean i think the 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 kind of guts of it are really, I appreciate it. Um, it's tr- it's it's a version of the like young sociopath story, the like scary kid story, or like my kid is starting to scare me story, uh, which you know, which you know, a version of that is seen in a lot of slashers, in a lot of uh, a lot of other movies. I mean, one of my favorites is we need to talk about Kevin, the Lynn Ramsey movie. Um but what it's what it what it tries to do is it really tries to most of those movies are pretty ahistorical in the sense that they're you know it's like the kid's just bad because he's bad right and and that's kind of a definitive characteristic this one is trying to set this kind of story in the present moment of uh, school violence and you know alt-right youth like like indoctrination on the internet uh and the idea that there are a lot of young uh, men who are like oddly attracted to like nazi imagery and uh fascist imagery and fascist politics and very racist homophobic misogynist politics um and it's trying to to Make us, you know, make a story, create a movie that tells a story of a mother who's in, not the situation of having just like, a randomly, you know, dangerous child, but like a specifically dangerous child, um, in a way that is more like to the experience of someone who is, actually, you know, a a mother of a high school age, boy in in 2020. Uh, so I kind of appreciate the audacity of the historical specificity and just the honesty of the historical specificity uh because it does give the film a kind of set of legs that it wouldn't otherwise have if it were just like my son the sociopath part two um it is found footage which i think is an interesting choice i think some of the elements of found footage work really well uh the kind of concept is that the mother and the situation is like almost vlogging um, about her fears about her son that he might uh, he might uh, do something violent at his school, uh, and she's trying to like reach out to other mothers who might have kids like this. Uh, it's slightly unclear where or if she is posting these, and that's one of the concerns that was. It's not important, but it is kind of important, like. I don't know. It's just the ultimate kind of explanation as to who is kind of like uh, who, what the genesis is of the uh, screen capture on which these, because the movie plays out kind of like a, like a desktop screen capture on a PC and someone is like playing videos, right? And like opening and closing video files. Uh, And they do explain who that kind of like impromptu editor is. Uh, and I think that's actually a strong moment in the movie. Uh, but otherwise, it's unclear that – is she just posting on the internet that she thinks her son is, like, going – is, like – I don't know. It's a little bit strange. There's there's some awkwardness here and there in the, in the execution, I'll be honest. Uh, it does get, again, much like uh, Nesting Dolls. It goes much, much more uh, sinister than I expected uh and it does get really bleak and oh uh, maybe a little too bleak for my taste uh but i uh, kind of like overall i'm excited and i i would gently recommend it on the grounds of i don't know who else i don't know that i know a, a lot of movies in the horror genre that have taken on like uh, people who are dangerous and violent in horror movies very rarely have a politics. Um, and they, they, they often exist as a kind of abstraction of evil. And I kind of feel like there's something unique and interesting about uh, making a horror movie about the existence of dangerous people who are driven by particular ideologies in a, in a, that have very tangible, violent outcomes. Uh, and I think that takes a kind of trope of the horror movie and gives it an interesting kind of depth and complexity and specificity that almost seems logical, but I don't think it's been done a lot. So I think this is an interesting movie. I don't think it's a perfect movie, but I think it's an interesting movie, and I overall I recommend it. Uh, if you think that that sounds or something you might be interested in, uh, and if you think you can handle some of the more extreme violent elements of it, because uh, it does quite, it gets quite that way. This okay, so this one is not in the strictest sense a horror movie, but I wanted to include it because it's very genre and it's very like would play at a like a horror film festival, even though it's not horror. Uh, this movie called Butt Boy, and. <laughs> Butt Boy is a, it's not just what I was called in high school. No, it's, it's, Butt Boy is, uh, it's like Michael Mann's heat, but about butt stuff. It's like, it's, it is a, it is a very straightforward neo-noir, right? Like, modern film noir, uh genre film about about a, a, a detective and the fugitive he's on the on, that's on the runner he's, that he's chasing uh but the but the sort of the sort of twist the kind of like weird ingenious twist is that the fugitive that he's hunting is a man that the detective believes uh has a obsessive uh habit of uh of uh, n- uh not just inserting things into his Butt, but but uh, but consuming whole beings and people uh, and missing children inside of his butt, and so it's kind of like if you like let a toddler mad lives a script or something where it was like you know like you like you like you have the detective script and you let like a five year old pick what the you know Hitchcock called this the mcguffin like the thing that catalyzes the story that isn't important uh if you were like if you were told a five-year-old like okay johnny like fill in the blank and johnny was like up the butt and and then that was the movie right uh and and the and the and the, the sort of fun of it is uh it's it, it is not played like a joke it's played in the movie with with a kind of dead seriousness like this is a michael mann movie or like you know like this is a david fincher movie this is like a very serious you know detective story uh you know this is like you know it's like whatever it's like it's it's the anal zodiac or something so so uh so it's just but there's something kind of ingenious about it because i do think it even though it's like obviously know, it's 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 a fun ploy and it's something that works it's very entertaining it's also, like, a really well-made detective film in that it is a detective film. Like, it, it is a well-made, like, modern film noir. It just happens to be that the crime is this, like, totally fantastic, surreal, like, crude thing. Um, but I think it also it does give us... Uh, it's a fun sort of experiment because it reveals something about the genre films in a lot of ways, which is, like... It kind of doesn't matter what it is. Like it doesn't. You can kind of just like take out one thing or the other. He's, like, you know, they're like whatever the, the the MacGuffin is. I mean, part of what defines that is like, oh, it's 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 identifiable in that it's unimportant. It's like the microfilm in the thing that makes them go, you know, to go chase the guy. But like the entire you no know, one like what actually is on the microfilm is kind of unimportant. Uh, and th- that, so what what the detective is chasing the fugitive about is kind of unimportant. Uh, and you can kind of make it anything. And the movie sort of stretches just how much you can make it anything and still deliver something that is roughly the same basic plot structure as every other movie of this kind. Like, it's a really interesting genre filmmaking ex- experiment. It's funny. It is, it is it is it is a surprisingly effective detective film uh and then of course you arrive at these moments that are like so but you know they're so bizarre um that fit everything really do kind of fit in the detective mold except that they're ludicrous uh and then also you know it is a movie about like weirdly about like consumption and patriotism <laughs> like it is a movie about um about the need to consume it's like it's a guy who works at a really like corporate office who has no stimulus in his life like no motivation and no joy and then one day he gets a prostate exam and the like the idea of sensation is so addictive that he just like can't stop seeking and consuming and so he just keeps swallowing larger and larger objects into his rectum until it's like whole people uh and uh and it is this kind of interesting like when you have this guy who's living this completely soulless life and then he gets like this like small bit of stimulation and then he just becomes. it's really it, it also is a movie about addiction like that's the other thing it's about overconsumption and addiction and it's a detective story about butts Playing now, but <laughs> that's all I have. It's just what it is. Uh, but I really enjoy that. I fully enjoy it. So yeah, if you if you but boy, it's on it's on Amazon Prime, and I'm sure it's available to rent other places. Um, it's enjoyable. Um, oh, the next one is uh, another one of my favorites. Um, Uh, from this month uh, there were a couple there were a couple really great ones i think the beach house was really great i think uh carmilla is really great i think relic is really really great and and i think this this movie amulet is also really great uh those are like my four top favorites if we're gonna put a slight hierarchical power into it uh amulet is another movie i can't really tell you about because it ruins everything but it is a, a um so it is there's two time. I mean I want to say this because I think this can be confusing and it might turn people off um, but there are two parallel timelines right so one is uh, the main character's past as a soldier and the other is his present after after being a soldier uh, there's not a lot of specificity as to like what the the situation he was a soldier in was but He was a soldier now he's not a soldier let's say that and the the, the past timeline informs some of what we understand about the present timeline uh in that we know that something happened that you know when he was a soldier and now he's not a soldier and he is living a pretty like substandard quality of life where he's sleeping in what seems like a public shelter and working like pretty grueling physical labor jobs uh, you know, and, uh, and probably being massively underpaid and uh, and probably not having health insurance or any form of care, right? So he's he's like struggling in his present and this nun played by Amelda Staunton uh, comes along and offers him this odd living situation uh, with a woman who doesn't want him there, uh, who has an ill mother who lives in the attic uh, that, he heart- that he doesn't see. Uh, or he doesn't see when he goes to visit and just hears the noises of uh, and the woman who is her daughter doesn't really want him but the nun says he can stay there if he helps around the house and he agrees because probably he feels a bit uh, desperate Uh, but then things get complicated uh, and the situation with the woman in the attic uh, is not uh is maybe not what it seems and it sort of gets a little bit grim becomes there's aspects of like a demon possession exorcism movie uh and we learn more about his past and that informs a lot of what we know or understand about his present and uh, maybe something about how we uh, can reconsider his behavior in the present and it is it is a story that's kind of based on some Surprises, so I won't tell you what those are. But I think it's a really, uh, it's just it it is it is fairly audacious and it, a little bit gross in a lot of ways. Uh, and there's some like uh, there's some viscera. If you're again, if you're also sensitive to uh, violence, uh, but I would say especially like body horror, like blood and Residue, <laughs> like, like, like ooze. Any body oozing. Uh, there's some. There's some. There's some really uh, kind of repellent imagery in the movie. Uh, sort of in the vein of like an exorcism movie, where the body is like ill and has sores and is right. Um, is 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 uncomfortable. I at. Um, yeah, I don't want to talk about much else. Uh, that's sort of the setup. I think it's just really, it's really, it's not a version of a movie I've seen before. And I will say this, it is, it is, it's sort of very cosmic. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a cosmic parable uh, of sorts. Uh, and it's kind of like this, the sort of, you know, the choices of this man are of relevance. And it has a kind of like brand, really bold style that reminds me of like midnight movies or kind of like um uh that movie Mandy that everyone was really on about I think a couple years ago where it feels sort of like it's it's kind of like a battle between gods but in like a uh in a sort of very like grizzled uh pulpy sort of way uh and so that there's something kind of like seemingly like very grand and celestial about it but also this kind of like plain as day rottenness on the ground and uh it is like it's you have to kind of i think you need to have the spirit to go with it uh and i think unlike mandy which kind of announced very quickly and i feel like you wouldn't you would know real fast if you if you didn't have the spirit to go with it i feel like this movie makes some turns in like the last act of the movie that i think some people just don't have the spirit to go with uh but i implore you to try because i really love it i think it's i think it's wild and fantastical and uh it's just a it's just an interesting spin on a a couple of themes that are a bit familiar uh but i've not seen quite put together in exactly this way uh and I think if you go with it, it, it has it holds many rewards. I will also say it's. I watched it twice because I think it. Uh, I'm kind of of the opinion that I don't really like twists at the end of movies because I often feel like when I get to the end of a movie and there's a twist of some kind. I mean, I'm saying twist, but like by twist, I mean there's a plot revelation that affects my understanding of everything that that came before. I don't know if that's a twist. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if twist is accurate. There's a plot, like a major plot revelation that changes my perspective. That's probably more accurate language. Uh, I always kind of wish I had just known it from the beginning, because I feel like most, in most cases, the information you get at the end is kind of what makes the whole story interesting. And I always feel like there, it would, there would be more intrigue to me if I knew that going in, such that I could like watch for the dynamics of the characters in the way that I ultimately do watching it a second time Uh, because I really liked watching this a second time and kind of like understanding some of the dimensions of the characters more and picking up on sort of cues of the characters relationships more. Um, I just, I don't know, I always feel like it's like a bit of a, it's a bit of a trade-off between making the whole movie a little bit less interesting versus making the ending like really seem really exciting. Uh, I kind of almost always wish I just understood what was actually happening. From the inception of the movie, but I like that this. I, I do like the way that this plays with the dimensions of information because you kind of learn what the protagonist learns when he learns it. So there's a lot of like, the, the way that he evolves for you is how it evolves for him, and that's a that's a good choice, I think, in terms of storytelling. But I kind of liked it better the second time, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, if you if you watch it. Uh, I mean, I'll just say, if you watch it and you find the ending a bit perplexing and kind of chaotic, that's the point. I think it's the point. I think some people really misunderstand the experience of movies, and they kind of, they kind of think that if, they did, if something was disturbing and confusing, that's bad. Uh, I think that's a different experience, and maybe you don't want a disturbing and confusing experience, but it's not innately bad, and sometimes it's the point. So I mean, I saw I just I have seen a couple of critic reviews for *Amulet* that I thought were kind of off base, but a lot of them sort of stick to the idea that like because the movie goes in a direction that is not expected, and it's quite you know confusing and disturbing in some regards, uh, that it's bad or that it goes off the road or that it doesn't you know it doesn't come together as though all movies are supposed to have like a particularly circular narrative logic as opposed to moving in disparate kind of varied directions. Uh, movies do different things. So I think this movie does something specific. It's kind of unique that way. It's a special movie in that it doesn't really operate in exactly the same way as most contemporary horror movies. Um, and I would just like advise if you watch it, you sort of have the like you, you keep all that in mind and take treat, treat uh, treat uh, variances like gifts, not like problems. Stitch it on a pillow. I don't know. It's just, that's a suggestion I will make to people watching movies. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I have, I'm almost done. I promise I'm almost done. We are, uh, I am. (sighs) Okay, let's just, I have two more. Um, One is Empedagor. This is a Shudder original. There's a lot of Shudder originals on this list because I, I, I pay for a shutter and I want to get my money's worth. And they do actually put a lot of great material on there. Um, it's in Pettigore, which is a Shutter original. Again, it's an international movie that Shutter is distributing in the US. Uh, this one is from Indonesia. Uh, this is uh, Joko Anwar is the director, who is also the director of Satan's Slaves. Uh, and. I mean, I, I'm not certain, but I think the only two Indonesian horror movies I've ever seen are Satan Slaves and Empedagor. So I will admit, certainly, much like with uh, Lake of Death, like, my references are such that, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I know everything I'm supposed to know going into this movie, and there might be cultural gaps, uh, but I will say that I enjoy this movie a lot. Uh, I will say that it has a hell of a cold open. Uh, it reminds me of... Early Sam Raimi, like The Evil Dead, and also um, later Sam Raimi, post post Spider Man Sam Raimi, when he made Drag Me to Hell, which is kind of a throwback to his earlier movies. Drag Me to Hell has like this great, like, cold open and then a smash cut to credits, and it just feels like the biggest, like, it just feels like such an epic horror movie. Uh, and it also has, uh, this movie has what those Sam Raimi movies have, which is a a kind of weird energy around violence that is such that it's both genuinely gross and disgusting and scary, but also kind of so outrageous that it's a little bit funny. Uh, And it's a very strange line, and it doesn't... uh, It's not always a very comfortable line uh, as to, like, how to feel about what's happening, because there is a lot of violence, and it seems at first kind of, like outrageous and silly but then there are moments where really awful really awful things happen and they're not very funny and but then it'll sort of like turn back around and get kind of like gross and awful and but like outrageously so again and it'll kind of it has interesting rhythms that i think make it complicated which i appreciate and the the open the opening scene is just a home run i think it it stalls out a little bit in the middle uh, I mean you know the, it just gets a little there's a there is you know there's a there's a kind of an announcement of a threat in the in the cold open and then the characters go to investigate that, that threat. Uh, and the, the initial stages of that investigation are quite I think slow and uneventful. Uh, and I will say also too, I think it starts off and it's these two young women who are working in toll booths. And they have such a like funny, like, like chaotic energy, kind of like um. Remember in uh, the Robert Rodriguez Planet Terror movie, the the babysitter twins that are always like yelling at each other. Like, like it had they have this like chaotic energy that's very. Uh, it 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 has a great contrast to like the mythic, like like because this the, the movie has this sort of. Um, you know, has this, like, you know, secret runes and, uh, you know, family history and curses that go back generations kind of energy, where it's, like, very big and epic and historical, and then there's these, like, two young women who are bickering on the phone with each other, right, and it's it's kind of, like, a very, uh, the contrast is part of what creates the humor, uh, and I love that energy, but, like, at some point in the midsection of the movie, that energy just kind of goes away, and it just gets awful. <laughs> like it, not not bad. It just gets like it. Just the the things that are scary just stay scary because the humor I think peters out, and maybe that's like the point. Uh, but I, I I sort of wished for more of that energy like throughout to kind of like undercut some of the like big mythic uh, you know story in the in the movie. Uh, but I think it's it's really. It, it's 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 good i would really watch it um and keep in mind that i think the 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 like the the feeling around the violence i just think will be varied and sometimes it comes across like kind of outrageous and silly and sometimes it just comes across awful and again this is is a very violent movie so if you are turned off by violence i would recommend this one um, but I, I'm really sensitive to like too much violence which is why I keep like noting it when it exists in the movie because it does like affect me but uh there's something about the the grandness of this that it feels kind of like Sam Raimi funny uh except when it doesn't and that's all like that's all I can say <laughs> except that sometimes it does and sometimes really awful things happen to characters that you like and don't want to see awful things happen to so that's um that's kind of my only sort of mixed feeling about this. Overall, I really like this one, and I recommend it. Uh, and I have one more, which I just watched today. Uh, <laughs> um, today I watched uh, a movie called Host, which is a Shutter Original, and uh, it is. Uh, oh, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned Amulet is is on VOD. That's where you can watch Amulet. Um, I'm not sure if I said that. At all. I don't know. But I didn't. Amulet is on VOD. Uh, Host is a Shredder original. Uh, It is so watchable. It is about an hour long. uh, And it is a really good, uh, like, what I like to call a slumber party movie. Which is, like, it's just, like, fun and scary. And, like, you can, like, peek over the covers and, like, laugh about it with friends. And... You get scared and then you laugh that you got scared and then you, like, and it doesn't, like, doesn't, like, stain your psyche. <laughs> like, some of these other things might, like, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't it doesn't haunt your dreams. It's just, like, a playful, like, scary movie. Uh, and that's a good energy for me. Um, it's, I don't, I've seen other horror movies made in quarantine Uh, But this is the first one that I personally have seen that is set during quarantine. And it's basically a haunted Zoom call. Who doesn't love a haunted Zoom call? I mean, I am such a paranoid, creepy person that when I am on a Zoom call, I am always looking at the background to make sure that nothing scary is gonna come. Like, I just always, I have often thought about, like, what if you were, okay, think about this. What if you did like a long, 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 con and you like made like a YouTube channel and you did like live vlogs or whatever and you did like live streams like regularly and you built up a whole following and then like what if in one of those live streams someone like walks in behind you and attacks you and it's like as you like you stage a totally uh like not on a horror channel just on like a channel about candles it's just about candles, and then like in one of your live streams, some like someone just comes up behind you. Like I have always, I don't know why I always think about that. But if the internet is scary because you don't know what's real or not. There's like I'm not going to go into who all these people are, but there are like legit people on the internet who like talk about, um, who t- like who talk about doing awful things to their child, but no one can figure out whether they actually physically have the child with them and so people are like calling the like t- the police to report child abuse but like no one can actually prove that whether the child is there it's like the internet is scary because you only have this like this like little screen into someone's life and you just don't know what actually is happening on the other end of it and that's really scary the point is I mean, it scares me it scares me a lot. And uh, and I think there's maybe taps into that. Uh, I'm always looking for creepy things in people's Zoom backgrounds. I just wanna, I, I'm just always worried something's gonna sneak up behind somebody. Uh, you know, seriously, what if a candle vlogger like staged their own murder in a, in a live stream? And like, what if they just scarred an entire population of like candle people? I'm a candle person, so I'm not, I identify as a candle person. Actually, I identify as a candle lady so this is this is my community Uh, i'm not making fun of candle people i own so many candles um but like i often think about that because you can kind of do anything like you can pretend anything is happening and because i only know like what happened in the four minutes you were live streaming i don't know what the fuck you're doing like i don't know the internet is just very scary to me and uh and we're sort of living in it more than ever obviously it's a very like ridiculously obvious thing to say but um uh the point is it is true and so this is like a bunch of friends have a seance on a zoom call and it goes wrong and it's a bit of unfriended it's a bit of paranormal activity it's very fun i give a lot of credit to the actors who are able to make a fake zoom call seem natural which is so hard and it's hard to make a real zoom call feel natural uh, but like to pretend like you're just like a bunch of friends like oh hey guys I just got I just got in that that is so hard to act it's very deceptively difficult to act like natural in when you're like talking to a screen and pretending to be someone and pretending to be someone responding to other people online if there's a the degree of difficulty is high and I think the cast is really good uh, and also I think the the sort of the you know the genesis of the of the creepiness is really great and there's like a couple of Things that I won't give away, but they particularly set up and and pay off some of the like particular uh, some scares that are particularly built around online phenomena, like uh, facial filters, and also um, uh, the like Zoom background phenomena where you can kind of put anything behind you and like. Possibly trick people as to where you are, um, <laughs> or like just pretend you're on a you're like on an island or whatever. Uh, uh, you know, they take these things that are distinct to technology. They make scares around those things that are unique to this particular kind of found footage, internet screen capture film. Uh, so if you like Paranormal Activity or Unfriended, I would definitely recommend this. Even if, even if you're like neutral, I feel like this is fun. And I feel like i I think even if this is not your particular energy uh I don't think it's I don't think it'll be a bad well I don't know I think it's charming it's char it's <laughs> I think it's charming because it really is just kind of so uh so like the barest elements of scariness and so kind of like nostalgic fun scary uh and like what's in the crawl space scary and uh I think people will like it. So if you have the, if you have an hour, it's also very short. And if you don't like it, it'll be done pretty quick. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, host. That's okay. That's it. <laughs> this, I don't know how to end this one because I, usually I try to like usually I end with the end of the movie that I'm talking about. Uh, but I'm not talking about a movie. I'm talking about many movies. Um, so that's a short list. That's what I what I watched and would recommend to you. In July. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, if you would like to let me know anything, I don't know what anyone really likes or listens to. I mean, I know a little bit about what gets downloaded more, uh, but I don't know who's actually listening or who cares. So um, if you would like to contact me, uh, you can contact me at gay 4 at gmail.com. If you want to pass along that you like this kind of episode, or you don't like this kind of episode, or the kinds of things you'd like to hear, um, you can reach me there and let me know. Uh, if you'd like me to keep doing this every month, once a month, I can do that. I will try. Um... Yeah, so if you made it to the end, thank you so so much. That's very kind of you. Uh, and I just want to say, uh, it is it is true. Um, we we do recruit and we do convert. So uh, you're totally gay now. Bye. <laughs>